the Sabbath day, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing that? What is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Mark 2. 23-28 I used to play football a lot when I was a kid uh, One of my favorite childhood memories was playing uh, four corners on our main street back in Nigeria It was like a four-side uh, game of football where each person had their own uh, posts And it was like in a diamond shape across the main road there Not very safe, I know, but Where you gotta play, you gotta play, right? So the goal of the game was to try and score in each other's goalposts. The main rule was you only get two touches of the ball. So if you kick the ball twice, that was it. You can kick it more than twice. Now, if you go, if a goal we play, if a goal went through the post, you had to vacate the spot, and you know the remaining players would finish the rest of the game. It's like an elimination-style tournament, basically, until you get the final two, and then the winners declared after that. It was pretty fun. Uh, because it was actually very simple uh, it was it brought about some of the most impressive display of football and skill because of the restrictions that were put in place so you'd have someone who would keep the ball up for over uh, 10 20 even 30 keep the uppies and they'd do some very very impressive skills to get the ball past the defender and score the goal it was really really cool just as long as the ball didn't touch the ground it brought about some really really impressive display of skill Thinking about that just made me realize, you know, while I was writing this, that rules actually do matter. They govern the way things are done and provide some measure of stability in a in a very chaotic set in chaotic environment. At some point, though, at some point, it starts to get pretty dogmatic. It get pretty, it gets pretty restrictive and can be quite degenerative in its effect. In a lot of cases, it serves as a tool of oppression, especially when you look at it in a, in a social context or community you know community context i know that went pretty dark <laughs> all of a sudden but bear with me a moment let me make my point this happens when you know we tend to give away our vigilance we leave we stop paying attention to you know the reason why the rules were there in the first place we stop considering the relevance of the rules and start to act in a willfully blind manner so you can't really it's usually because people are trying to stay safe and protect themselves maybe they've been threatened by all sorts of things I mean you can't really blame them in a lot of cases especially when you go to countries like I don't know um, Iran for instance people are threatened with death even in some minimal cases you might find that people are threatened with shame or isolation if you're a child especially that might be when you're parents decide that you're not doing what they want you to do and they wind up punishing you by keeping you isolated or yelling at you or threatening you whatever the case may be 
I mean, everyone's parents are different, but you know, some of you might actually know what I'm talking about, especially if you're a Nigerian kid anyway, you probably know what that's like actually. The problem with this is that when you, when you put people under that sort of pressure for so long, they're forced to forget why they actually subscribe to that way of being, you know, the people who have been born in their circumstances, they probably don't even know any better. And, you know, you pity them even the most because they have no idea. They've, they've not got any tool set, have no inclination of what it's like to stand for themselves because they're being taught that this is how they have to live in this environment. And you got people who, the people who sort of enforce these things are typically themselves not very, how do you say, virtuous. They tend to be pretty corrupt because they have so much power. And what does power? What is power if not the tool for corruption? Not necessarily that power is in itself a corrupt tool. It's just that the nature of a human being is such that it, they are corrupt. And without any checks and balances in place, you know that corruption can just it can get everywhere. You know, like shit hit the fan. And if you're somebody who's born in this kind of environment, you don't really have that much of a vision of what it is to be free. So you're not striving for anything better. You're just you've just accepted it as the norm. You know, almost like a chicken in a hen house. You know, you see all the chickens there, and you just realize, you know, maybe this is it for me. You know, I'm just gonna get fat and eventually, you know, get put on a KFC plate. Who knows? But I guess that's just a key distinction between human beings and animals, right? I mean, human beings, we're quite conscious of the fact that we're quite conscious in the way we perceive ourselves. The manner in which we perceive our existence is slightly different from that of a common animal. We have the capacity to uh, cont- you know, contemplate our circumstances, if that makes any sense. You know, we always yearn for, we have that innate or instinctive drive for self-expression and creativity and you know, to transcend our present circumstances into much better, you know, conditions. You know, that's why we you know, have this idea of the promised land, you know, heaven, you know, the future, you know, advancement, innovation. These are buzzwords that get thrown around in a business environment and it all echoes the same idea of, you know, improvement, growth, like a tree that's just, you know, lift, you know, springing up from the ground from a forest into the skies. We always yearn for that progression. So, and the good thing about this is that it does have a beneficial impact on the collective because when people introduce these innovative, uh, these these innovations, it tends to transform societies on a mass scale. I mean, recent examples include the likes of you know Steve Jobs, for instance, with Apple. You know, Bill Gates with Microsoft, Nikola Tesla. Speaking of Tesla, you have. Elon Musk, who's trying to go to space. And these guys had to overcome some very, very restrictive conditions in order to transcend and get to the place that they are right now. And thankfully, they live in a system that forces that kind of innovation and growth. And that's the thing that I'm trying to touch on. Some societies don't actually do that. You know, there's um, this tendency for certain societies to just push down or suppress that tendency towards innovation and growth now i can't fully understand it but you know it's almost as though they don't want that progression it's almost like they're threatened by that progression that comes with you know innovation and ingenuity and creativity i mean it can't be it's chaotic it can be chaotic however it is essential 
in order to transform the state or to transform, you know, transform the collective. I mean, this desire for self-expression is something that even Dostoevsky even recognized, you know, when he was in the penitentiary. Um, amongst the prisoners there who had been around for several years were ruthlessly being oppressed by the system that they were forced to live under. No doubt they probably deserve to be there. However, they still possess that, they possess that innate need for self-expression and they would often lash out in very aggressive and very destructive ways you know, in defiance of what the system had put them, you know, put them through. And, you know, after his time there, he went away and it really influenced the work that he would go on to do and it no doubt elevated the quality of his uh, artwork, art pieces, that it's, well, his books, his stories, you know, into a timeless category. Dostoevsky is known today as one of the greatest writers, if not the greatest writer that's ever lived in recent memory. You know, his work, his work speaks to the human condition quite clearly. You know, I've been, I've, I've been recently reading his book. Uh, the name I can't recall actually. It's Bryce Karamazov. I haven't actually finished it yet. I had to return it back to the library, but I'll get back to it again. But I digress. Given that this is something that is. Um, Universal. I think this is one of the reasons why the American forefathers, uh, you know, during when they wrote the American Declaration of Independence, made it a component of the proclamation that all men were created equal, you know, with equal rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this would eventually be defined by James Truslow Adams in 1931 as the American dream. I quote his quote. His quote was. Life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone. With opportunity for each according to their ability or achievement, regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. Now, it's the idea behind it, you know, the American dream is that, and a lot of people are quite cynical about that today, and I don't really blame them because a lot of them are streaming for it and they do have those restrictions in place, those rules in place, that are set sort of designed to keep them in a particular place in society. I mean, black people in America call it call it um, systemic racism, and uh, it's something that I will touch on later on, hopefully in a different uh, post, because I think it's something that I want to address in terms of what I think might be an, an approach towards overcoming that. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that without rules. There will inevitably be chaos. You can't imagine a football game without rules. You can't play basketball without rules. It would certainly be a mess, for lack of a better word. But with too many rules, too many restrictions, it leaves people without any will to to move forward. There's just no. It puts people in a nihilistic state of existence you're practically a walking corpse you're not living you're not striving for anything whatsoever so to the individual i would say be vigilant always keep a lookout always question the rules that you're being told to abide by find out why they're there in the first place you know so that you can understand and be certain that it's still in service to you as opposed to the other way around. And further to that, always question authority figures, you know, 
if you can set yourself up in a position where you are not fully dependent on someone you can certainly that's been my experience actually because as somebody who's been very dependent on other people I've come to realize how deficient that existence can be so if you're somebody who's over-reliant on some figure of authority you have to question them and a good indication that there's nothing just about that authority is when there's a refusal to respond or to a or, or there is a punishment in place for questioning that authority you then know for certain that that authority is not just and as such you must either remove that authority or find or or remove yourself from that space because it's far better to be isolated exiled or you know on your own than to be part of a tyranny that serves to destroy your zeal for life because every individual needs to have that form of expression it's probably one of the most important and the most transformative aspects of human beings so on that note I'm going to leave it there today and I'm going to continue this during the next session so thank you for listening and as always stay truthful stay honest and take good care of yourself have a good evening